Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. This is uh, Brother Julius Adiwami, and we have been going through the series of teaching. I want to know that this teaching is for you believers. Those that have already given their life to Christ and you want to know more because the Bible said because the Lord has put in this body these ministries apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers. So this is a teaching that we are doing when we go through the Bible step by step to explain what how we should apply to our lives. Now we are going to the book of Epistle of Paul, the first epistle of Paul to the Corinthians. And like I said, the, when he was when he was put that ministry in the body of Christ, it's for the perfecting of the sins. The sins of God need to be perfected. And that's why he put teachers. So this is a teaching series. So I admonish you, get your Bible. Open to the first Corinthians, which is the Episode of First Paul, the first Corinthians. We are going to start from chapter one and just read Bible verses and then I will stop to a pause and give some explanation or some exhortation or refer to some other scriptures in the Bible for clarity. Here we go. Father, we believe that you are going to give wisdom to us as we study your word in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, first episode of Paul the Apostle to the Corinthians, chapter 1. Paul, called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and sustaining our brother. Now that is how he introduced himself here. He is called to be an apostle. An apostle means he sent out one. And when the Lord called him, he told in the book of, uh, in the book of Acts of Apostles, he sent Ananias, one of the disciples, to go and pray for apostle for Paul. So that he can receive his sight and he said, I have chosen him that he's going to carry my name before kings. And that was his calling. And that's why he was introducing himself as an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and sustaining our brother. It's a call to be an apostle. It's what he said. He was called to be an apostle. Well, that is actually a good way to introduce you. Now let's continue. So Stenis was the bird that was perhaps writing this letter for him. Because when many of these people, they not that you can spoke wrong, right? Most likely when you have a, a younger person that is with you who can do it faster or something like that, he most likely just dictate some of those things to him. And he was writing that because otherwise he wouldn't have said and sustenance. Was to say unto the church of God which is at calling to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is like a greeting because that's how most letters were written. You greet the person you want to write to, you are writing to, before you start talking about the main reason why you are writing your letter. You greet him. How are you guys doing and so on and so forth. I hope everything is fine. That's how we all write letters. It's format for letters. So this is an epistle and it's actually a letter. Now he says to the Corinthian believers, they also said they are 
sanctified in Christ Jesus. Everyone that accepted Jesus Christ, you have sanctified me, you are set apart for Christ. See, you are also called to be saints. That is the calling on upon every believer, every one of us. You are called to be saints, holy people for God. Now I say it all in every place. So now he knows that this letter will not, to, not just be written to the, not just be read by the Corinthians, it should be read everywhere. So that's why he's making calling it um, with all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Say grace unto you and peace. So now that's how he introduced him. That's how he, he greets everybody. Grace unto you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. So that's how many of the letters of Apostle Paul have been introduced and how he has been greeting those that he write to say grace be unto you and peace. Verse 4. I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God which is given you by Jesus Christ, that in everything ye are enriched by him in all utterance and in all knowledge. So he's praising God for the believers that God has given us enrichment in knowledge and utterance as we speak, we are speaking the word of God as we live, we are living our life according to the word of God, he's thanking God for that. That's for their Corinthians, it's also for every believer. And that's the same, that is how we, every believer, should be conducting ourselves. Enriched by God in all utterance. Like when you are speaking, you can say, this man knows God. But we say, you should speak as oracles of God. And then, in all knowledge. That means, we are, when we speak, we are talking, we are uttering anything, we are showing that we have some good knowledge of the scriptures, or good knowledge of the ways of God. So that is why he says, thanking God that the Corinthians are demonstrating that. Verse 6. Even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that ye come behind in no gift, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Praising the Corinthian believers that they come behind in no gift. That is all the gifts of the Holy Ghost was manifesting in this church. And that is what every church in that generation should be, should be seeking for. Now, it's not saying it's in one particular minister, it should be distributed among the believers. This brother X may be able to maybe prophesy in the church, this brother Y may be able to give word of wisdom, another brother Z may be able to give word of knowledge. And God, that's how the Lord distributed the gifts of the Holy Ghost that you see in his letter, you see that gifts in 1 Corinthians chapter, chapter 12. Now those gifts are distributed by the Holy Ghost as he wills. You can't say, no, Lord, I want to be working miracles. You know, he gives to you according to how he has proposed in your life because he knows everybody. He doesn't want to give a gift to somebody that is going to be popped up with that gift. That's why everybody is commanded to be humility. And then whatever the Holy Ghost moves to you, to be the Holy Ghost walking this walking, you're not you using it for your own gain. No. You profit with it for the body of Christ. Okay, now let's go forward. They was commending the Corinthian church that they come behind in no gifts. You can't say, well, these people, they don't have these gifts, only these people over there are that gift, or those churches over in that city are that gift. They say they come behind in no gift. They are in, many of churches in Nigeria could have been blamed for that. You, you guys have no gift at all. You don't even speak in tongues. How much money to preach? They say that is what we should say. But that's why I was in this letter here. He was saying, covet earnestly. The church has to covet these gifts. Not just individual, the church, I mean the old church of the God, the believers, the Lord, we should all praise the Lord. 
we want you to manifest these gifts in our midst. Don't not individual person say, Lord, I want you to manifest in me. That becomes pastor, that becomes your private, private, uh, private gift that you can give to anybody if you like. No, it is for the body of Christ. So if you if, the, if a church group uh, is praying, the whole group in the church are designing this gift to manifest, and you are praying as a body of church, local church, then the Lord manifests gives it among us, not through the pastor only, among us. Then the Holy Ghost in answer that prayer we distribute these gifts. Among the believers, one sister may be prophesying, they could prophesy, another brother here may be able to give a word of wisdom, another brother here may have the gift of just faith, and they are all to be used for the edifying of the body of Christ. And so on. So that's what the Holy Ghost means when he says it is distributed to believers as he wills. Now let's go forward and continue in this verse 7. He said, the, but the Corinthians shall come behind no gift, they have all those gifts manifesting in their midst. Verse 8. I said, are, he said, we, they are waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, that's all we are all doing. We are all fellowshipping, teaching one another, growing in grace, waiting for our Lord Jesus Christ coming. We shall also confirm you unto the end. If Christ will confirm us when he comes, that yes, you guys are, are standing firm. That ye may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's his prayer. He's praying for them that they should be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. We should also be praying for ourselves that we will be blameless. Not just the whole individual, even the whole body of Christ. Pray for the body of Christ that we will be acceptable before God. Because the Bible says Christ is coming for his church that is without spot, without wrinkle. That is perfect. That is what he is waiting for and is building his body. And now do we get to be without spot and without wrinkle? By teaching the word of God so that everybody is taking heed to the word of God and living by it. Every individual that say they are believers. Not just the church leaders. Even the people that say they have given their life to Christ. They should be following the teaching. That's why they need to be taught so that they can also correct themselves if there's some hangover they brought into the midst of the congregation. Because when people are born again, they give their life to Christ, some things drop off. But there are some things that they kept bringing in as custom that they didn't know they have to drop it off. This is a bad custom. The custom of the world that they should drop off from their mouth, from their behavior. So that's what the teaching of the word of God should do, and that's what the elders will be doing to teach the word of God. This is how, in the life of Christ, the kingdom of God, this is how we should operate, this is how we should behave, and that's what the teaching is to do for us in the body of Christ. And then every believer that believes, not just a visitor, if you are a visitor, you come there, you go away, you don't come back in because you don't like what, what how they live. Where you are not part of us then. If you are a believer, you have given your life to Christ, you should be listening to the teaching of the Word of God and adjusting your lifestyle, adjusting your behavior to fit the Word of God, to fit the lifestyle of Christ. That is when you are becoming part of Christ. And then God, the Lord will confirm you that yes, you are standing firm, faithful. And it's, that, is the, that is the purpose. The purpose of the build of fellowshiping together is to sharpen one another, iron, sharpens iron and edify one another. When he put the ministry, he said, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12, 13. He put those ministries, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, is for the perfecting of the saints. You know, he said, he said, we are called to be saints. And for the edifying of the body of Christ. Until we all come to that fullness of the stature of Christ. Through unity of faith and knowledge of the Son of God. Now let's go forward in chapter 1 that we are still reading. 
verse 9 says, God is faithful by whom ye were called unto the fellowship of his son Jesus Christ our Lord. What does it mean by unto the fellowship? You have to remember when we come together in the congregation, we are fellowshiping with one another. Hello, brother, hello, sister. But actually, we are fellowshiping with Jesus Christ. Anytime you believers come together, Christ is in our midst. We are fellowshiping with him. You see, we do may not see him, but he's talking to us from inside. He's talking to us. And so that's why that's why he can allow the Holy Ghost to prophesy in our midst. We are fellowshiping with the Son of God. So you we have to remember that that's our garden together should not just be for entertainment of one another. Where some people musicians are singing, we are washing and clapping for them. No, that's not the purpose of fellowship or church service. It is fellowshiping with one another with the Lord Jesus Christ in our midst. So that's the station over through the pastor that's preaching or through the minister. And then is we are edifying one another through encouragement. The songs should be praising the Lord or encouraging believers. So we are encouraging one another. Iron sharpens iron. The singing should be worshiping God or encouraging one another songs that can encourage the other songs that can encourage believers. Somebody is going down, you say, they, they say it's not an easy road. So that's encouraging him to hanging on there. Now hold on the bar to pray, brethren. That's songs of exhorting one another as part of fellowship because if there is a persecution and people are gathered together they've been persecuted they are going to be encouraging one another but the lord is in our midst walking this battle with us suffering along with us that's what the bible says and when he decided he used his power to stop it go on to verse 10 now he said now i beseech you brethren it's now going to begin to address the purpose of his letters because all this first few, first one, verse one to nine was more like introducing and teach, greeting them and praying like that and then and, and, and affirming them that yeah, I, I saw what you guys have been doing, how you guys are uh, without any, you are, you come behind with no gift and God is going to be faithful, God's call us to be to his fellowship. Now, verse 10 is where I go to begin to start, he said, this is why he wrote this letter to them. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, and that, that ye all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. It's good to tell them why he's writing this right now, because he's saying, oh, I want all of you to have the same mind. I want all of you to have the same judgment. To, to stick together. No divisions among you. Now he's going to say, why is he writing this something? He has had something that somebody reported. Verse 11 says, For it has been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. Now, this is plain and open. This is not a secret thing that you say, I don't want to tell you, you told me. Because there may be a case, a situation where you are, where you hear some things that you don't want to declare who said, who told you about it, but you wanted to correct it. See? But he was plain and open. He said, let's be transparent. Eh? So it's not like a way, I think Brother Paul knew that uh, there was division where he had not been here for almost uh, six months. But something was going on among them, division, debate, argument in the church between Brother X and Brother Y and Sister X and Sister Y pastors, Y pastors church, pastor himself and the board of members. If there's something that's going on that looks like they're not agreeing. And Apostle Paul was the one that founded the church, but he, they, are, they are going together while Apostle Paul was going to other places for many months or even years. But they always communicate. 
So how did he know? He has to tell him if the Lord revealed it to him, he could he can tell him that the Lord revealed this to me. But he said plainly, this is somebody came and visited and told him what's going on. Whether they just visited on vacation, they just visited to see the world report it, but they visited Apostle Paul wherever he was. And he said, It has been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which have the house of Chloe. So he told them that members of the house of Chloe came by and they told me this is going on among you guys. And they know who the house of Chloe, but they may not say who, who went to tell. Well, they have to tell because things are going wrong. The Bible they say, Proverbs say, if they are elders in the household, they should be uh, in a situation where you don't allow situation to go into wrong direction. So that's one of the reasons why he, when the Torah Apostle Paul, he has to address it, and this is what he, the letter is writing is to address some of these things. Rather to encourage them to tell them what to do or not, what not to do, because this Corinthians letter has to do with many things like that. When you go on, you see that the Apostle Paul was more or less correcting things that was wrong among the believers that he left he left under a pastor or uh, where they have elders and they are running these things and things are going on that he heard about and he has to send letters to correct them in every whether doctrine or behavior or attitude or what they are allowing in their midst that he said you shouldn't allow this so you get about so the first one he wanted to talk about was the fact that there was division among them and this is what he has to say about this. Verse 12 said, Now this I say that every one of you said, I am of Paul, and I of Apollos, and I of Severus, and I of Christ. I mean, everybody is saying, they are choosing who is their favorite minister, and they are leaning towards him, almost like a way, they are talking more on Apollos, they are talking more on Apollos, look like a, you are Apollo disciples right now. And no, no, we are following Paul. We are following Paul. We are following Paul. Those people could have been, maybe Apollos came among the Corinthians. Apollos came among the Corinthians and he was a sweet preacher. Because we, really, we read that in the book of Acts of Apostles. That when Apollos was, didn't even know about Christ, he only knew about uh, John the Baptist. Some of the brethren that had talked to him, told him about Christ and he accepted Christ too. There was a sweet preacher. He knew the scriptures of Moses. So when he started going about, he was now telling, teaching more about Christ also. So that when he came to Corinth, he was told, he was uh, recommended by the people that converted him. I think Aquilas and Priscilla that invited, converted him, recommended him to the, the church in Corinth. So he began to fellowship with them. So, so when he was fellowship, because being a, a good orator and also knowing the scriptures, the Old Testament, the scripture of the, scripture of the prophets, he was able to articulate it in convincing those who are not uh, were not sure so that made people to begin to gravitate towards him as well I, I like how he presented this and when people begin to uh, exalt some person that becomes jealousy from other people that's always occur or they just lean towards him more and uh, now they are not mentioning his name mention and this is happening in our midst to the point that suppose they were we are for evangelists and so or we are we are brahamites or me brahamites they believe the book they have been reading the books of uh, William Braham and they became Brahamites and that's how the the domination also formed in those days you see call some people that uh, they are they are they are following the maybe they call the I can't remember the name of some of those former founders of Baptists or Methodists and they have 
doctrine and things, a little bit different doctrine, that they could say, well, you are preaching like this. But that was what was almost forming in the, in the midst of, uh, of Corinthians. So they now say, I'm for Apollos. And the other say, well, Paul is the one that started each other, I'm for Paul. Now they begin to have a, they are now having some reason why they are saying that Apollos has not been there for quite some time. And I now say, well, I believe in Peter was the head of the church. That fellow was saying, I'm for Severs, that's Peter, Apostle Peter. Perhaps I never visited Corinth, but he was, somebody replied to him that I'm going to follow Peter, he's the head of the church in Jerusalem. So that's, and another person said, Well, look, all of you guys are following names, I'm following Christ. See? And that became like, well, We are for Christ, and we are for Peter. And the people that have said they are for Plus cannot come back and oh, We are for Christ too. So that becomes like a division of opinions or what? Or division. And that's what Apostle Paul had. Say, What's going on here? Something is wrong. And verse 13 said, Is Christ divided? He's not asking that question. Is Christ divided? Why are you now saying I'm for Apollo? Why are you now saying I'm for Apollos? Or I'm for Apostle Peter? Was Paul crucified for you? He would have said, Well, he said everybody should be for Christ. Don't begin to follow names. Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? Verse 14. I thank God that I baptized none of you, but Christ and Gaius. Lest any should say that I had baptized in my own instant to say, well, let me take my myself out of the loop. We are all following Christ. Did I baptize somebody in my name? Is Paul the one that died for you on the cross? No. So why are you not saying I'm for Paul? Oh, I'm for Apollos. So he uses his own name to, to say, well, get me out of this debating the way what you guys are doing over there. Did Paul die for you on the cross? Why are you now saying that? So you may say, well, it's fair, everybody should be for Christ. Well, of course, we should all be for Christ. Don't follow names. Don't follow personalities or not. Personalities. Don't say, well, I'm, I'm, I follow this, uh, this and this man, this preacher. Don't follow me. Follow Christ. That's what we are pointing people. Point people to Christ. Even if he, this fellow is a great teacher, he's a great orator, he's explaining it right, but yeah, just follow Christ. Keep being fed by this teacher, but follow Christ. Don't elevate man above what he is. Just follow Christ because the one that is able to teach it so well or preach it so well and the articulate he was charismatic, it is a gift from God. They don't follow that man. That man can falter and fall. And you following him, you falter and fall too. But just follow Christ, you won't falter and fall. You just let him follow that falter and fall be on his side. You keep following Christ Jesus. See, we have to keep looking unto Jesus, not look unto Paul, who's looking at Jesus, no. You keep looking at everyone. Paul is pointing everyone to Jesus. So every minister should be pointing everybody to Jesus. That's the name. That's the one we should be looking at. He didn't say, look at me, so that you, as you are looking at me, you will look at No, you have to look at Jesus. Everybody is to look at Jesus. Remember that. Say, so looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. He didn't say, looking at Paul, who is looking at Jesus. No, look at Jesus. Everybody is pointing to you, to Jesus. Just know that. You should be following Christ Jesus. He is the express image that we have to emulate. He is the one that is, we have to change to his image, not the image of Paul, to the image of evangelist, this or pastor, this image of Christ. It's where all of, he said, until we come to the statue of the fullness of Christ. Apostle Paul may get there first. I may get there first. You all may get there first. It is you just following Christ. If you are not following Christ, you won't ever get to. To where you want to get to. Okay, so that's why he said it is not Paul that that died for you on the cross, it is Christ. 
And he's saying, oh, let me take myself out of the loop here. I thank God that I baptized none of you with Christ or Gaius. Lest any should say that I had baptized in my own name. And I baptized also the household of Stephanas. Besides, I know not whether I baptized any other. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. That's verse 17. See, he came to preach the gospel, not to be not if baptism is what is making them to say, well, this man is the one that baptized me, so I'm for him. No. He said it's not baptism, it is just follow the word of God. He said, Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the word of God, not with wisdom of words, not just words, words like we are teaching. Lest the cross of Christ should be made of non-effect. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us we shall be saved, it is the power of God. They was preaching Christ and, his, and he died on the cross for us. To those who are smart men or not, they think they know, they thought, how can somebody die on the cross save uh, the rest of the people? And they think it's foolishness. The we that believe, we know this is the power of God. See, God do something, God will do something that sometimes the, the intelligent man don't know why, how, how will this happen? But when God did it, it may be so simple, but that's how it's going to happen. For it is written, verse 19, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. See, where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? I mean, everything they think they are wise, they are trying to disprove God, they God is making them look foolish. Think about it, all the scientific, all the wrong scientists. Well, I'm talking to you, I'm also a scientist. If you are in engineering, if you are in science, whatever it is, you are a scientist. Masters in, in electrical engineering, is, you are a scientist. So some people claim that they are scientists, they are trying to disprove God through science. You can't disprove God by trying to look at the vegetables or look at something in the test tube and thing, or look, even looking in the sky and say, well, these are planets and all those uh, asteroids you think are going to disprove God with others because you are because you are thinking God is somewhere in some of the solar system. Basically God is invisible. So that's why the foolishness of you see, the the wisest of men they can never disprove what the scripture is telling because they were they were they, they, they are being foolish. And that's why he said God said I will I will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Verse twenty verse twenty four after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. That is, by the foolishness of preaching, you say, by this preaching, God is going to save mankind by just preaching the gospel. Because the wars, people don't know that wars that is being heard, is touching the souls, it's touching the spirit. And the wars are the ones like is pressing the buttons that open, making open doors into the spirit world. By your word, you shall be justified, by your word, you shall be condemned. Verse 22 says, For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks foolishness. To the Jews, they say, Well, they don't believe this Jesus Christ is their Messiah. So that's why it's a stumbling block for them, because they were looking for a political Messiah. And they didn't get a political Messiah, so they didn't want to accept the one that is the spiritual Messiah that Christ has come to demonstrate. The political messiah, Christ will be the political messiah when he returns to be the physical ruler of the world as political messiah. But they were thinking that was what they were expecting in their day, the days of Christ, and that's why they didn't accept it. But it's for a purpose, God blinded them to, so that they can save the whole world. But now he says to the Greeks, they are looking for, they want wisdom, wisdom. They think this is foolishness. 
Better verse 24 says, Better unto them we shall call both Jews and Greeks. Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For we for ye see your calling, brethren, how that you, not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. That's why in their generation, the many people that are following, that believe that following, they were more like uh, slaves, servants that are listening that was actually poor the gospel is preached. While those who are in that generation thinking they are rich, they are mighty, the governors, the senators in those generations, they, th they think it's only for the refrains that are here in this. <laughs> but see, only God can touch out and bring them to understand the gospel. I'm going to continue this in the next broadcast so that we can continue this teaching. God bless you.